welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of Meaningful Conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow, the HSCT Warrior community illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. So I'll say welcome to Katie. (laughs) It's so great to have you back uh, and to check in on your hope journey. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can't. um, I was very honored. I was thinking about this and I was like, oh, wow. I was like one of the first, I, I, if correct me if I'm wrong, I was the first or one of the first I was interviewed even before having it. Is that right? Yes, correct. You were. That was really cool. I thought about, I didn't really realize how um, neat or cool that was beforehand. And now I kind of do. Well, like it was. Hopefully it's neat for others who are hopefuls, right? So that they can. Exactly. And it is. And it's, it's definitely, um, obviously been extremely difficult with the announcement of, you know, Chicago closing and everyone's like, I mean, it's just a bunch of politics really. Yeah. They're, they're freaking out, but it's like, you know, if, if you're determined, you know what I mean? And this is your choice. And a lot of people, and even me and myself, I was like, Oh, Mexico is not for me, (laughs) but that was way before. Like, if anything ever happens to me in the future, you know, first of all, I will never take another DMD in my life. And if it's a part of my journey where, you know, something happens, I would do this all over again. And if at that point, you know, first of all, at that point for me, I truly believe it's going to be more in the U S because that was, that's the whole point of what Bert's doing the book traveling, you know, um, educating other facilities and doing his protocol and whatnot. So, so yeah. So, I mean, it's, I get the, I get that part, but I have to be honest. Um, I had to look it up before our phone call because I know a lot of people, you know, go off of I'm day plus and I go off of months. So not necessarily like the days, like a lot do. Sure. Um, so I'll be like six months post October 15th, like that I know, but I, I did, I had to look. So I'm a day plus 163 if I did my math correctly. And almost so. six months, which is still very, very young. Yes, I am considered, I guess, an infant or a baby, more or less. Yeah, so, but I've definitely been doing, you know, great. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, are you cured? And there's a lot of HSCT vets that'll say, you know, it's not a cure. You know, my disease is halted. And yeah, I do agree with that, like medically. Um, However, even like in our previous conversation we had, last year I think this was um or I don't even know when it, what month it was to be honest it was when about did this. seven months ago so not even oh, okay okay so it was about a month before I went okay so it was yeah so but you know as I stated in there like I am a woman of faith um you know and I do believe in like words and believing like what you say matters so when you have someone that constantly says like I don't feel good I'm tired I'm depressed um sure of course, like I can be too, and I can be all the time, but I don't say it all the time, if not ever. Um, 
and I catch myself and I make sure, you know what I mean? Like if I'm saying something, like it's not a constant thing, you know, because when you say it constantly, like I said, all the time, you know, you live in that and it's just negative. And then, so if you constantly say I'm depressed, I'm depressed, I'm depressed. And I am not taking away at all whatsoever Anybody who is even clinically diagnosed, I would I would never say that. I'm not a person that um, lives in denial. I'm not like that. But you know, when I was diagnosed with MS, I never I, I catch myself when someone you know will say I have. So for me personally, and I've like I said, I've caught myself in the past. Like if I slip and say I have, I, I change my verbiage per se. And I say I was diagnosed with because I don't like to claim that. My mom, who is in her 50s, um, during this whole process with me getting accepted and whatnot, she was diagnosed with, it was two of the top aggressive ones. So it was, if I remember correctly, inflammatory T4 or no, triple, it was triple negative stage, it's triple negative T4 inflammatory stage 3B, something like that, breast cancer. Goodness. Oh yeah, it was, it was a lot. And even everybody that's like, Carla, really? Like, that's my mom's name. They're like, how is that even pot? Like, because when you meet certain people, um, priests, pastors, you know, very... I don't know the word I'm looking for that time that I still have a problem with. Like when I, when I have a word in my word head, finding, I can't, sure. yes. um, just, I don't know, a woman of faith, you know, it does. And it happens a lot to really good people. You know what I mean? That that's just worldly views of it. You know, like why does it always happen to the good people or why does, you know, and to me, it's a part of a testimony. And of course my mom cried. Of course she was, you know, devastated. We're human. You know what I'm saying? We're not these mystical beings. We are human beings. Um, so yeah, it was hard for her to go through that, but it was legitimately part of her testimony at the end of the day, right? I mean, she went through uh, chemo. She had a full mastectomy. She just got reconstruction surgery August 6th. Still recovering yeah, from that, she but feeling? she's considered cancer-free. Amazing. So yeah, it didn't metastasize. It's, you know, and she's just still recovering from this past surgery. Sure. And then the next one will be a reduction of the left breast. So, and she was in Chicago with me the whole entire time. Amazing. Because she's a rock star. So, but again, like when I was diagnosed in, uh, it was February of 2010. And I, I, I said right away, literally, I, I did not cry. Um, and I was, you know, kind of like remembering the nurse right away. I can remember her face. She was super short. I probably remember, like, she was really short. I can't remember her name. I am pretty good with names, but I remember her face. And, um, you know, I said right away, I said, whether it's in a month or when I'm 75 years old. So I will have a doctor tell me, well, I don't know what happened. I, I have no idea, but there's no more lesions. So I guess you no longer have MS. And that's always been kind of my go-to, even when I have like bad days, you know what I mean? Like, even though someone's like, you know, you were just diagnosed with a disease that you said that 
you're claimed over that you're supposed to have your whole entire life. And again, I'm not one sitting here in denial. I'm not one saying that all of us, the HSCT vets that say, well, my disease is halted. To me, it's like cancer. You know what I mean? Like my mom. It's she's cancer free. She's in remission. Mm. She's, you know, so I don't know if like my head thinks differently or whatnot. So for me, yes, I'm extremely new and considered a baby and an infant and, you know, have had great success so far with my walking no longer with a cane. Um, my numbness on my right of my foot is gone. Um, it actually was gone in Chicago which was really cool. Like after the first dose of chemo? Um, I can't, I'd have to look back on a photo I took of how fat my feet were. Um, Cause I remember like, oh my gosh, they're so like, yeah, they mine got because, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was a big fat girl. And Compression I'm not, socks didn't even Yeah. Help. Oh yeah. Like, well, being that my mom's a massotherapist, so I was like, okay, don't I elevate or ice her? And she starts rubbing them. So she's been a massotherapist for I don't know, nine years. It was after, right when I was diagnosed that she was pursuing it and it was to help me and then to realize she wanted to help others as well. And what happened was, is all of a sudden she's rubbing my right foot. And I'm talking like for a good significant, like five minutes. And all of a sudden I'm like, mom, you're rubbing my foot. She's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, no, mom, you're rubbing my right foot. She's like, um, Okay, I'm like, mom. And she's like, oh my gosh. Like, she's known for nine years when I get a massage from her, she does not go anywhere near my feet. Like, you just, it it doesn't, I don't do pedicures because they hurt, especially on my right foot. So it was almost like I didn't think of it. She didn't think of it. And it was like light bulb, like, oh my gosh. And we both started crying. Mm. Like, it didn't hurt and it wasn't numb. Mm. So when I got home, it, um, I'm able to walk on my kitchen floor without socks. I haven't done that in nine years. Amazing. Yeah. So it was really cool. But after like, if I do a lot or if I, it's nine years of damage. So I don't live in denial. It gets like this. It just feels different. It doesn't hurt. It's not numb per se. It sometimes can get like a warm sensation on the bottom of my right foot. I can't say that my right hand is still completely numb. I might have a little bit of carpal tunnel in my right wrist as well. And, um, but it's still completely, you know, like if I rub my fingers together, it still doesn't feel the same as my left hand. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like it's, you know, it's good. But, um, you know, again, with people, you know, saying certain things like, you know, how do you feel, stuff like that. But again, like, you know, woman of faith and, but see, I, I think I was 14 years old um, when I became a Christian and or born again. And with my walk with Christ, it's been struggling at times, with especially within the last nine years with the MS. But ever since, you know, I got that yes um, in September of 2018, when I was accepted for HSDT, you know, my relationship with Jesus has shifted, but it's been in a good way. So I've like grown. Um, it's become deeper and, um, for like, again, for when people ask, like, are you cured? So my response is, you know, well, I truly believe that God healed me through HSET. So yes, I am. And I feel it and I own it. So back to when people constantly 
So if I, it's almost like if you constantly say, I'm good, I'm great, I am fantastic, and not be a, you know, in plain English, just smart aleck about it or whatever, you know, like truly own your words, you know, words of affirmation is really, you know, and recently people have like, how you been? I'm tired. And I have been saying that a lot. And then I caught myself the other day, you know, a dad's like, hey, how you been? Your treatment over? Like people that don't know, sure. you know, like what, it, you know, like, yeah, I'm like, well, I was only there for two months and now I'm home. Right. Like treatment's done. It's one and done. And I did. I said it. I was like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm like, why did I say that? I know I'm tired, but I've been saying that. So it's almost like, even though as much as a motivation or an inspiration or whatever you try to be for yourself and for others as a testament for others and helping others, whether you think you are or not, it's like, you, I really have to take my own advice more or less. Well, <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> because know. the more you repeat it, like your, right. your cells resonate that in every exactly part of your body. Right. So right. your brain, right. my thinks body it, soul. And exactly. then the more you say it and the more you repeat it, the more you, everything hears it. Right. Then the more right. everything says, Oh, well, I guess we are tired. Right. But it's like, it's hard to going, shift out of that. It's so hard to shift it, out. Oh, of it is. Negative and I'm, resonance. Exactly. And I, and again, I'm human. I'm not sitting here going, I'm not afraid of anything. Or I'm not, no, <laughs> like the procedure for HSCT for whatever reason at all, I was not afraid of the chemo. I get a lot of women and a couple guys that I've, you know, have messaged me or whatnot along the way, like they're just petrified of the chemo. And I'm like, gosh, I wasn't. And I've had to catch myself like, well, you were, how you I, felt very prepared going in. I did. I, but I can tell you, and I, I'd have to actually listen back. I was, um, I was fearful. And of the one thing was the vast catheter. I, till this day, don't know why, like, again, I'm human. I mean, I was like, that thing goes in your neck. I watched YouTube videos. I looked up the chemo. I looked, you know, and the pick line. And what's really funny is, so the vas catheter was completely fine. My doctor's first name was Preston, and I am a Grey's Anatomy junkie. I was actually getting my mom to watch it while we were there the whole time. So it was great. And like, so she was in the first five seasons. So Preston uh, Burke was one of the doctors on there in the first part of the thing. And he's like, you know, hi, my, you know, I'm, I'm Dr. Preston. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm fine. This is great. This is all God. This is a total God thing. Right. Like it's just anything that happens. Like when we did this, I do remember I told you about the butterfly. Yeah. Like I am a clear cut sign. Like I need a sign dead in my face that everything's going to be okay. And that's when, you know, I saw that butterfly, which was amazing. So I remember still having, you know, my mom prayed over me. She had all of her prayer warriors praying. You know, they knew, like, I wasn't lying about it. Like, this is a little scary. Like, this thing is going in your jugular in your neck. <laughs> but I just remember taking a big, deep breath, going in, and, you know, my mom in the waiting room, I knew she was praying, I was praying, and they ask you, like, you know, like with the MRI machine, like, do you want to listen to music? I'm like, please tell me I can listen to something. I'm like, yeah, we have Pandora. I'm like, put on anything you know, Christian station, Lauren Daigle, I don't care, just put on something. And, um, and they did, and I was completely calm. And that's when I met him and he you know, came in and introduced himself. My name is Dr. Preston. I might've been his first name, but I just remember Preston. I was like, oh, I'm good. And I just was like this total out-of-body experience. Like, it was like liberating. It was the strangest thing, but the coolest thing in the whole entire world. 
But then what was really funny is the pick line, because I was so like, this was great. Like, you know, didn't hurt, whatever, blah, blah, blah. The pick line, all of a sudden, I did get a little anxiety. And I don't know. And I watched the procedure on that. I also think it was the room. Like the room wasn't like a surgical room. No, and you're laying underneath that x-ray. And it's very constrictive. Yes, it was. And I just think it was because it was, it looked, it was more like they turned a regular oversized exam room into a procedure room. And that's, it was standard. That's just how they did it. And, you know, I trust all of them, but it was very, and mine was, they took the one x-ray and it wasn't, and he had to turn a little bit. I didn't feel anything, but it was just, it was different for me. And I think also God was like, kind of telling me, you know, like, hey, you know, trusted me, like everything's fine, you know, kind of checking me a little bit just because I had this whatever experience with the pick line. It doesn't, it's not necessarily going to be the same, or excuse me, the vast catheter. It's not necessarily going to be the same, you know, for this, like every step of the way. Right. It won't all be I have, easy. Right. Exactly. But um, backtracking, I guess a little bit before I keep talking about that, like, fundraising part of it like beforehand you know you go and all that the fundraising part and stuff you know that stuff is hard (laughs) oh my gosh I mean I I think it's because you're under a microscope for one um you're very vulnerable you learn you know honestly who's your friends and who's your family even after the fact like I have a couple people that I've spoken to HSCC vets that their own family members, like whether in-laws or blood, like blood related, a sister, a brother, a mother, a dad, like have called them out on things and have turned their back on them, whether it was before, during, or after the procedure, because they just didn't condone what they were doing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like that is, it's almost devastating where it's like here, you know, you can get, it's also, everybody's very opinionated. Oh, the judgment. Yes. Oh, the judge, right. The judgments and the, you know, why didn't you just take out a second mortgage or why didn't you just put everything on your credit cards? Like, why are you trying to ask for money from people? Like, that's not right. I would never do that. Those, that's my favorite. That judgment. Mm. Yeah. Like that's my favorite word. Who are you to judge? Right. Well, What's unfortunate is it made me feel better because I, my heart still goes out to these people that I know their stories. But with me personally, luckily my family was great, but I did have a few friends that I had lost after the fact. Um, and it was, and I found out even more recently too that because my insurance did approve. And it was denied at first, kind of like the typical thing. And right. I was, it. yeah, I was yes. approved and then denied yeah. and then yeah. fought yes. for two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's always fun. And, um, I think it was just to the point where, um, when, it, whenever it was, a, I would honestly have to look back cause I don't remember. And it's almost like, I don't care. I do care. I was I'm grateful it was approved. I don't mean it that way, but it was, um, like right away the news station that did the local news, the local newspaper that did stories on me and stuff, they were emailed literally that day. And then um, like the big donors that have already donated and stuff like that to let them, you know, aware and whatnot. 
um, I had a local car dealership donate a car to auction off. Oh, right. That's right. That was awesome. And um, so all of them got like emails, texts, or phone calls like the, that day. And as soon as I got out of work, because I was still working at the time. And because I had this idea because it was into the winter time, like, should we announce this like closer to Christmas? Like, hey, Merry Christmas, Katie's approved. But hey, we do still have like needed to be worded a certain way because just because my insurance approves, first of all, it's 80-20. And this is sure. Yeah. Let alone, even if, you know, you meet your deductible at the time and I still, I didn't meet the deductible and it was almost like a halfway through mark. I don't even still understand it. All I know is Northwestern still takes out money from my account every month. So like, and I get like an email notification like here, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Thanks for saving my life. Here's the money. But, you know, it is what it is with that. But it's just to the point where it is. It's it's so hard. It is frustrating. But I was, you know, because I didn't announce it like the day, like social media. And I'm like, this good old social media is such a politic thing. And like I was being called dishonest or I lied or I'm being deceitful. I'm like, my goodness, I have never been those things I'm in my sorry. entire life. And they, it's okay. It, it really is. It's, it's totally okay. Really. I, well, it's not okay I know to be a victim of judgment. It's not, but you know, and it also depends on how you handle yourself as well. It, it just, it truly does. Was I sad? Absolutely. I was honestly devastated for um, probably a week or so. And then I thought like I dealt with things when it happened. And then all of a sudden, like the good old HSDT roller coaster that everybody told me about, um, first of all, let's talk about that. That's emotional, um, not physical for me. So all of a sudden, I was like sad for like, I also, you know, the pre-menopause still haven't had a period in five months. Oh, um, yeah, it's been over almost two years for me. I'm actually hoping that I don't get it again. Right, me I too. Did. Well, I, well, just because I don't want to do this again. Like, I don't want to go through this yes, right. 20 years from now, exactly. 10 years, like, Right. So I'm just like, can we just please just please, God, just let it stay away. I will deal with everything right now. And even if it's years of this, okay, fine. Just please. (laughs) That's all I'm asking. So, but yeah, it's just with the whole, um, like you said, I know it's not, it just depends on how you carry yourself when it comes to the persecution and and stuff like that and, and whatnot. And I've been questioned. um, And at first, because I'm, 50% 50% Italian, you know, I have, I can have an attitude. You know what I mean? Like, who are you to ask me? But then like you backspace a text or something like that. And you're like, wait a second, Katie, calm down. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how do you approach this? Like All how you do can you control is your reaction? Exactly. E- exactly. So, and it just, you know, like I said, it's, it's a part of my chapter that has closed with certain people and friends in my life. And that's okay. It is okay now. For me, I am okay. I'm, if I look back at it, it's, you know, it does sadden me because I look back on the years that I was friends with some of these people and I'm like, is that even real? But then it's like, you know what, Katie? It's okay. It doesn't matter right now. What matters is my recovery. What matters is, is you still have memories with these people whether they're true or fake or not, they're still there and that chapter is closed. I need to focus on myself and my family right. they were and in my recovery. For a reason. And we right. need to figure For out that why. Chat. Right. Exactly. Like, 
and exactly moving on now in the moment. Exactly. hundred percent. You don't need them. No. And, you know, I don't ever use ever like to use the word regret. And I don't know if there's like a better word for that, <laughs> but you know, I'll never regret learning about HSCC, my goodness, or ever doing it. I am forever grateful. You know, it's just a difficult, you know, learning the before, during and after the fact that you are under that microscope with the fundraising and stuff. But well, especially when you're on social media and part, oh, of, yeah. part of the point of this podcast is to move the conversation beyond social media, right? Exactly. There's so much drama and so much negativity oh, I know. and snippets, right? Like you can't get a full story. Nobody no. can ever really hear the emotion behind Katie's hope journey unless they right. tune in to hear you talk about it. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I'm forever grateful for you for doing stuff oh. like this. I really am because it, it does take, it was my sister-in-law called me um, actually like five minutes, like 10 to 55. And I was like, I can't what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, I can't talk right now. And she's like, I know Kristen said you were leaving. I'm like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm having a phone call. It's for a podcast. I'm doing an update. She's like, oh, that's cool. Well, tell me more about it. I said, Vic, I got like four minutes Some now. Day. So what you <laughs> darling? You know, um, so, but yeah, it's just the, the good thing about what I do like about like social media is how it's open doors. Like, and what I mean by that, where I have been told, you know, by by many that my posts and the way I carry myself um, has caused people to reach out to me. Um, I had a woman that reached out to me via Instagram, December 2018, and um, actually found out she went to school with my husband's daughter, like, let alone such a small world. So she was diagnosed with MS. She's a dear friend now. I ended up helping her start her campaign for the Ailinger bike. She's very interested in HSCT. Um, her whole, that's, she can, you know, do her own podcast hopefully one day, but um, she's definitely interested in it. But her neurologist here is just crap. Not like that's really kind of how we grew our friendship because we were DMing on Instagram. And then I'm like, okay, you just need to call or text me. And between December, January, and February, like we must have spoke on the phone. I don't know how many times texted and stuff like that because she's like, okay, now here, you know, my neurologist is doing this. And I'm like, girl, I need to come to this appointment. Like that was how it went to the point. I never went, but I just was like, this is insane. Like, no, I'm not a doctor, but it was just, just like her, the way she was being like treated for her MS. I, it was, I was mind blown because I have seen, a handful of neurologists and I'm like, what in the world? As you know, and I'm telling like, don't take my word for it. You know what I mean? Like, but ask, questions. I will not sit here. Right. Ask right. questions and find a new doctor. Right. And get, you know, get, ask other MS people too. Like I'm not the only one. And like, she's never been treated with steroids. That was really what it was. And I'm just like, how? I don't understand. I've never have ever heard that in my entire life. Oh, I and I've, I didn't, I didn't even know steroids were an option. Nobody really explained a relapse to me. Right. Um, but this doctor doesn't believe that steroids do. He's like, you don't treat MS with steroids hmm. or you don't, I've never heard of that. And I'm like, can you please get another doctor? <laughs> well, and so, yeah. And so going back to like, even social media is a good resource yeah. to connect with other people and figure out 
the right the vast array of experiences with this disease because exactly. everyone is so unique. Yep. Yeah. And with this specific friend, um, I ended up helping her start the campaign for the the A Linker bike and we finished it very quickly actually it was pretty awesome it was yeah well thanks to her but you know I actually obviously like we were talking before I don't know if this part was recorded when we were talking about you getting one but I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for Selma like would have had I don't even know like someone said a linker like I said it to my mom she's like what's that like I said the same thing right yeah no not a lot of people know about it no, but it's it's fortunate enough that luckily it is someone who is in the spotlight like, like herself who is getting awareness for it. And I was fortunate enough to actually see it in person in Chicago. Like I said, like I said, I don't know if you were recording it, but I was able to physically how well I've been doing was actually drive back to Chicago, physically drive, like. I have a hard time driving down the street before HSET. So I was able to drive to Chicago with my little sister. It was her birthday. Um, and I don't like other people driving me. Like she did drive for an hour or two there. And then I was like, okay, no, time to switch. And I ended up driving literally the whole entire way home. Um, and if it wasn't for God or HSET, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that. So I was able to um, go there when it was, it was like that lat, like the very last weekend of June, and actually be again referring back to social media with Selma Blair for part of her treatment because she actually reached out to me. Hmm. So it was really cool to see this bike thing in person. I was oh, like, yeah, this is cool. And like I said, like <laughs> it's like I really wish I would have known about this. Like nine years ago, so would have really helped this whole time. Let alone HSCT, like. Yeah, the people that honestly envious, I still don't like that word, but I like that way better than jealousy. Like just envious, like, man, these, the couple women that were recently actually there with Selma were just diagnosed, like within the last year, not even like a year or under. And I'm just like, wow, I really wish I would have known about this like years ago. Oh my God. And yeah. Right. Like, and I've heard, I don't know how many podcasts I've listened to or how many people I've spoken to about this and whether it was MS or lupus or what's that one? Uh, what is it called? CIDP. That. Chronic yeah. inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. Thank you. <laughs> um, so anybody, I, I think that is the best time for me to use the word regret <laughs> ever. I regret not knowing about this sooner. I knew about it two, for two years. So that part I do regret. I should have gotten it done the moment I found out about it. So when I was six years into a diagnosis versus nine. But and that's, that's another goal of the podcast and even the nonprofit that we started that we yes. want to get the information out to more people so that they at least get to know and understand and do the research and make their own informed decision. Exactly. They aren't going to exactly. hear about it from a doctor. They they aren't going to no. likely. I mean, some people do hear about it from their doctor and that's phenomenal. It depends on how, um, 
I think that's the one thing that aggravates me the most is when people are like, okay, I'm going to talk to my neurologist. And then, then you're like, crap, okay, well, here's the thing. Because They just may not trust. be supportive. Right. Yeah. Just a fair warning. They're probably going to tell you you're going to die. Just to let you know. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember my last appointment with my neurologist here in Cleveland. It wasn't even with um, my neurologist. It was with the nurse practitioner, Desiree. And I was, you know, she was talking about it and I was like, yeah, so I'm going to go do HSDT in Chicago. And she's like, okay, well, I'm like, nope, mm -mm." whatever she was trying to say, it really wasn't bad. You know what I mean? Like, and I could, looking back at it and she's actually kind of like a friend of mine. And I guarantee you, if I ask her, like, I, cause I do want to go, I need to go see them soon. You know, like, yeah, just check in. Let alone check in, but I, I almost want to ask her, like, I remember that conversation vividly and the way she said, well, she wasn't against it. She was for it, but it was the tone that she used when she used that word. And I'm thinking to myself, what relationship do you have with what pharmaceutical company? I would love to ask her that because I found that out after the fact. I found that out that 90% of the neurologists have personal relationships with pharmaceutical companies. And that's why they're against this because it's one and done. If you're, you know, lucky is what people like to say. So it's like, okay. I, I almost have that funny feeling that, you know what I mean? You can find the information. Oh, I don't I even remember that. the website, but you can Google like how yeah. much do, how much do doctors get paid by pharmaceutical companies? Oh, that I have, that I have done. Yep. Plug in mm -hmm. your doctor's name and you can see. Oh, that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. How much they earn. The, Look at that. The neurologist oh. that I fired, um, I love using that. I fired my neurologist. <laughs> well, I mean, I, m the results of my Lyme disease test came back that I had six of the eight antibodies. And so wow. I just like went to him with this information and he's like, well, the CDC test, you're one point away from a positive. So that's the test we go by. So you don't have Lyme disease. And I'm like, okay, so regardless of whether or not you agree with the Right. Outrageous results that I'm showing you. Right. I don't want to continue Tysabri because I'm JC positive. Yeah, I was too. And PML is not like, that's not something. So anyway, turns out. Yeah, he, not something anybody really wants to do. He earns over $200,000 a year from pharmaceutical kickbacks. You'll have to send me that website. I didn't know that you, I knew you could look it up because I did look it up like statistically wise what and then how many mm -hmm. doctors slash sure. not and it's like 90 percent. there was like this nationwide poll on it i didn't know you could plug in your doctor's name though that is very interesting to me mm -hmm. really definitely is the results are very interesting and like the neurologist yeah. that i kept i think maybe she i think it's like sixteen thousand dollars or something like they're not going to turn the money down and it's like a perk <laughs> of the the position, right? But right. give uh, me being, a break. Yeah, no. Like these are people's lives. Because you ever think to yourself, like when you, especially if you've been diagnosed for so long, or even if you are just quote unquote, a normal person. <laughs> what really like what to call is normal? Yeah. I don't know. No diagnosis, never been sick, no cancer, no disease, no that kind of normal, whatever. This is basically what I'm referring yeah, to. I don't think that's real. I know, right? Yeah. I don't Everybody know. Everybody has something. Right. That's but what, I know what right. you're saying. Right. So, but it's almost like I feel like doctors don't get sick. 
But one of my neurologists that actually made me switch to the my current one now here in Cleveland, I I thought that it was a family member that was sick. So it's almost like if it's not them or a family member, you know, they do take those perks. And I love how when people say you don't know what you would do unless you're in that situation, 100%. And I would love if half the neurologists that us have to deal with either had a family member or a personal experience with something that's either neurological or something that's personal to them, because I promise you, I would never take a kickback. These are people's lives. Mm. Money is not like you have one life to live and that's it. It's first of all, being a neurologist, how much do they make? Come on. A lot. (laughs) I would never see in my lifetime. I mean, it's just... I, I, it just, it really blows my mind. It really does. Well, it also I mean, blows the state of healthcare in this country. It is. It's also the state of people's perspective on things. I felt really, really bad for Selma, even before we kind of became friends with these people. Like those comments about must be nice that she has money. What does that have to do with anything? Right. Like really, I just, And that's not, that's just was my personal thing with her because I was with her and we talk and we text and whatever. It's just like, I'm almost grateful that I have that. And, but I'm like, she's a person. She's a freaking person. She's no different than, than if you look up her net worth, whatever it is, millions of dollars worth, than my friend down the street whose house is 10 times more than mine and whatever their profession is. You know what I'm saying? They make the same amount of money. Well, we're and all human beings. Exactly. Right. And of course, I have fallen. I've cried. I've been angry, you know, but even when I was hurting and I've always found a way to keep going. And when life does knock you down and it has for me a few times, you know, it's shown me things that I've actually haven't wanted to see. I sometimes didn't want to see the sadness. Sometimes I didn't want to see the failures, you know, but one thing is for sure that I always get back up and with a strong woman or man, you know, who never gives up. And especially with God in my life, I feel grateful that every time I do when this does happen, because I am human and I do get sad and I do have failures, that he is there to catch me. You know, you do tend to hold your head up a little bit higher or whatnot. And it's just, it is what it is with certain things and people and and whatnot. And we just, we, we live in a world that's, not very nice sometimes. Could use some more but compassion. Yes, it does. It needs more compassion and understanding and love. And and my father-in-law just watches the news all day long and gets mm. so mad at Democrats and Republicans. And I'm like, can we all just get turn along? It off. Well, just turn it off. <laughs> I stopped watching the news at least 10 years ago. Yeah, I it's, don't. I don't. It's the best thing that I ever chose to do. Yeah, one, I one actually, of the best things. I mean, HSCT right? was the right. Best thing HSCT too, but... was definitely like, yeah, definitely my husband, my kids, and HSCT because for whatever reason I was diagnosed with this disease and you know took it for what it was and it was my hope journey to end up here right now in this moment in a conversation like with you. It's just for me, it's a part of my testimony and like I said. I've fallen, I've cried, I am human, but I do, I get back up. So, yeah, well, that's the journey, like that's the warrior journey, journey. right? Exactly. So tell us about a memorable experience 
that you had with HSCT? Um, I would probably say, well, two things I want to say really quick. Um, someone that I know um, is in Mexico right now, and it's kind of like myself, and she is a God-filled woman, um, and she was not having really, really good days. But something like spoke true to me, like when I was in Chicago. Um, so it's it's memorable, and it's almost like when I say this, it's going to sound like a bad memory, but it actually didn't ring true to me until I saw what she was going through and how raw like her husband was updating things. And it's like, I felt like when I got sick and I had this moment where I had this debilitating headache out of nowhere, like I'm talking, I was, I, I already think I did the chemo. I might already did the stem cells. I'd have to look back. I actually have a photo of my bald head with KT tape on my head. I put tape on my head, Jen. It's hilarious when I look back, like, I cannot believe I put KT tape on my head. Well, but when you're because, desperate for relief oh, from it, pain. It was, I have never, I've had migraines. I almost vomited for migraines. I know people that have had, but I thought my brain was going to explode. So there was that. And then, like I said, I got sick. And then there was this time where I was in the bathroom. I'm going to put all these together where all of a sudden I got this sharp pain that someone was beating me with sledgehammer. So this is some raw stuff that happened to me. Does this happen to everybody? No. Um, and I actually had to pull the cord. I'm like, okay, I think I broke my back taking a pain in the bathroom. They came running. The nurses there are amazing. So here you all in all your glory sitting on the toilet and I'm like trying not to cry and I actually had, I love KT tape. It saves my life on so many occasions. So I had them run, grab it out of the drawer and we were putting it on my back. So with the pain in my back, the pain in my head um, and the vomiting, for me, it was like the MS was leaving me. It was physically, I was puking it away. The headache, it was releasing. My back pain, it was like, going away like God was healing me but it's painful and you don't go through life where it's unicorns and rainbows this is real life and that was a part of my journey and I will never take anything away from that pain that I felt and my friend the person I know in Mexico like it was scary actually I was crying reading the husband's post and I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, but I actually, and I did. And I, th I think I might've made a comment on there on like what I said. And I think I also texted her as well. And it spoke true to them. It's like, it was almost it, the way he described it, it was almost like she died, but she didn't. It was like dead weight. She passed out and stuff like this happens. It's a hard procedure and it's not easy. Um, but for me, going through the hard part, then came the miracle, then came the healing. You know, that was a big part of it for me, looking back where it was like, wow, it was almost like it was releasing from my body. And that's what I felt in my mind, my body and my soul is that it was leaving me. 
And it's like a purification. Yes. Thank you. There's a good word. <laughs> so, and then when I got home, um, it was also uh, a moment for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a fan girl. I'm not somebody that my uncle is a famous producer, but it's, I've never been, I'm not a famous person. I don't even like that word. Cause again, we're all human beings, but it was really humbling for me that I was connected with Selma and all of a sudden I woke up the one morning and there was all these notifications on Instagram and then messages. And I'm like, okay. And you know, what was said between her and I will obviously stay between her and I, but it ended up to the point of like her sending me her schedule and, you know, talking about things and, you know, whatnot. And then I was, you know, my little sister's birthday was after hers and she's, you know, Emily, my sister was like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm good. You know, and she's like, well, you, you, you don't ever do anything for yourself. I'm like, well, right now I'm not really supposed to be going anywhere right. or doing anything. And um, I remember um, talking to, I don't know if it was Kim or Paula in Chicago to let them know. I was like, hey, I might be coming to Chicago for like a weekend or whatever, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and they're like, oh, that's cool. Come and see us. And she, and it was so funny. They're like, well, while you're here, since you're due for your blood work on Monday, can you just get your blood drawn on Friday? I'm like, so take my three-day vacation to poke me? Sure, why not? That's great. So I did. I did. I, and I visited them and, and whatnot. And how is your was, blood work? Like, or is it my on? blood work's been, it was, it's been good. I, um, it was obviously two, it was around two when I left the hospital. It did like when I got home though, it was a little nuts when I got home, I shot up to nine. And then within a day it was my white blood cell was 16. So That's it was off the chart. Crazy. Oh, it was nuts. But I also had a panic attack for the first time. Thought I was dying. That was, you know, interesting. I physically couldn't breathe. I've panicked before plenty of times. Um, you're a mom. It's kind of a natural right. thing to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when your kids start walking or driving or doing a bike or dating or anything, you're a mom. That's how it goes. But this was my first physical panic attack. I literally thought I was going to die. Uh, my husband actually called an ambulance. So. I, uh, it was, that was within two days of me being home. That's and, overwhelming. Um, oh yeah. It was, I, and then I, I, <laughs> I, my room, um, had like my suitcases still and my dog hair everywhere with my dogs. And I literally was passing out, couldn't walk, couldn't breathe. I have a split level home. So you walk in my front door, I'm, right. I'm in my living room. So I walk down one, two, three, four, five, six, seven flights of stairs and just collapsed and laid on the living room floor. And my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm like, they're coming to take me by ambulance. I don't want them in our room. It's it's dirty. It's exactly what I said. And I go, look, yeah. here I am. I'm going to die. This is me dying. And I'm worried about them coming into my room because my room is dirty. I'm not even joking. <laughs> He's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no. I'm not going to like, if I'm going to die and this sit and I just went through this procedure and I'm going to die in front of my husband and my son and my father-in-law, you know, I'm freaking out here. I couldn't say all this at once, but I'm like, it's just, it's dirty. It's, it's, they can just, as an open floor, they can pick me up and take me right out on the stretcher. I didn't want them in my room. 
I was, it was hilarious. It was really funny. So, but I definitely, the experience there was also the, I would probably, let alone what I already said, but was the foot thing, the numbness of the foot. Sure. Not walking with the cane. That was pretty awesome. I'm, well, and but, I'm curious, like, because I do remember how prepared you felt or sounded, right? Yeah. The first time we talked. So do yes. you, do you feel like that helped carry you through the experience oh, yes. in Chicago? Oh, yes. Was there anything that you didn't feel prepared for? Like once you were there, is there anything you were surprised by or, um, or wait. suddenly realized like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Yes. But it was minor. Um, so after the chemo and your my son's birthday on tax day, April 15th, I'll never forget my birthday, um, we started Newbridge shots. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought the only Newbridge bone pain I was going to experience was... Beforehand, right. Mobile, right, mobilization. So that was literally the... Like I said, I had a lot of people. I researched. I did. That was one of the things that I was able to, to let alone give to Selma, but a bunch of other people that were ready to go. I actually had like a whole list for mobilization, like things and that you don't, I mean, yeah, you can think of and look up like chemo with the lotion and, and whatnot, but I, I probably have a list of 30 things that I couldn't have been without. And if it wasn't for the knowledge of the veterans that did this before me, which I am forever grateful for. But that was the only thing that I was like, wait, what? So we started New Virgin Shots um, after, because it was to help your stem cells. Right, yeah. And I didn't know that. That was the only thing that I didn't, was I wasn't aware of. That was it. Um, and I can also tell you that they're not like, they weren't pre-shots too. And I'm still till this day, a baby with needles. So it was supposed to be like a muscle shot or a bigger needle. And I was like, can you go find an insulin thing? Cause they took it out of the bottle, the Nuprogen bottle. It wasn't like how we had when we were in the hotel or at home. If you were local or wherever you That's are. Interesting. Mine were just like they were at the hotel. Yeah. So mine wasn't. So they took it. They had the Nuprogen in a bottle from the pharmacy that they, you know, take out mm -hmm. like they do for insulin, like my father-in-law, how he takes the insulin out with a needle. So um, they said that it was coming in like they had the, on the floor. They only had so many things, but they, and I was like, is there, and, and I asked, it's, I just asked, I'm like, is there any way that we could, here, I got my pick line in and I just went through all this crap and I'm worried about a shot. And I'm like, can we um, Tone find down. a different gauge? Yeah. yeah. And so they went to a different floor and found ins uh, insulin needles, syringes, and I had to take two of them because they couldn't fit it all in one. And I did it to myself. I put it in my stomach and I did it to myself right in front of the nurse. I wouldn't let them do it. I still wanted the control of doing it myself, even though if you say one, two, three, I'm like, listen, I just went through all this crap. I'm going to poke myself. Is that okay? They're like, yeah, as long as you do it in front of us. I'm like, okay, thanks. Yeah, we need to make but, sure you take it. Yes. So, yeah, I definitely was extremely prepared. That was the only thing that I was uninformed surprised of by, yeah. or surprised, yes, was that. That was it. So, so along this hope journey that you've been mm -hmm. on now, what 
have you learned that you might offer as advice? Um, you noted a list of things to prepare for mobilization and that's phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. but just in general, like what might you offer as advice to anyone who has been suffering with MS, uh, who might be curious or looking into HSCT? So being as how I was when I was informed of this years ago, right away, I was like, that's not for me because of the chemo part of it. So I would say for people that are suffering with MS, and and I still, till this day, on the good old social media, well, what's HSCT? I found a better way to explain it. And this is still not um, downplaying anybody who's thinking they're knowledgeable about MS, because I would never degrade anybody. But if you truly understand, and some people think differently, MS is an autoimmune disease. You can't take that away. Everybody understands that because that's what has been out there since it's happened for years. So MS is an autoimmune disease and chemo takes out your immune system, therefore eliminating the MS and you get a new immune system with baby stem cells that help reboot it. I've come to learn that when I'm explaining it this way to people that were just like me going, that's not for me, I would never do that. And in the most polite possible way for me to say, so you would rather take a medication your entire life that is hurting your kidneys, depending if you're JC positive, can kill you because of PML, but like all these lovely side effects than a one-time treatment. And when you try to say that at a text, voicing it, this is awesome because they can hear my voice like we were talking about, because it is, it's extremely hard in a text and social media. It's just, it's a lot hard to understand typing it out because you can't hear the tone in people's voices. Mm-hmm. This is why I love that you do this, but that would be what it is. It's like, yes, read about it. Talk to people, talk to veterans, talk to the ones that it didn't work. That's also what I would say, because I have, me personally have not found one person that haven't worked for that they still will say, I would still do it again. Right. Because... And I, I might still come across that one person that says, well, this was a waste of my time and money. I'm back on a DMD anyways. That is your choice. You know what I'm saying? I haven't, I haven't come across that yet. No, it's not a guarantee medically. You know what I mean? And right. it's, but it's hopeful. And that is one of the reasons why I had people help me with the name of, you know, my fundraiser campaign, whatever my, it was my hope journey because I was a hopeful, but I took too long to do my research. So like once you understand and once you finally were like, okay, so I have an autoimmune disease, chemotherapy, you know, takes out my immune system, essentially wiping it away. Don't wait. You know what I mean? Take that plunge, find a vet, contact somebody, 
you know, fundraising is hard. Sure. I, I mean, well, it is what it is. And that's part of the reason we started this Talk to a Warrior program. That's yes. like the nonprofit, right? So people can, we're working on getting different profiles up and we've got over 12 volunteers, veterans from across the country. And that's exciting. That's awesome. Um, that people can. Wait, so you, you started the podcast, but then there's the HSCT Warriors and that was you and Dave that started it, right? Well, Never. along with a group of veterans who decided to take on that challenge. That's cool. Yeah. So we have an advisory team and they've been helpful and instrumental in getting us to where we are now, which is a phenomenal website that offers a lot of information uh, about all the clinics offering HSCT around the world and research evidence-based articles that have been out right for years, but maybe people have a hard time finding them or they don't have access to medical journals readily. So we make it easy. We have a lot of videos that have been out. Like we amassed all the videos that Dr. Bird has put out on YouTube and Dr. Ruiz um, from Mexico. And oh yeah, so videos are there and articles are there, but our signature program called Talk to a Warrior enables people to actually connect through a phone call with somebody. So moving beyond the podcast, right? Like, and a lot of the people I've interviewed on the podcast, so maybe they get a taste of somebody's story by listening to the episode of the podcast and then realize, oh, hey, I can talk to Brooke Slick about her experience in Russia. That would be amazing because I'm trying to figure out now that Chicago is closed, should I go to Mexico or should I go to Russia? Like people can actually- That's really, really- cool. Yeah. Call and have conversations with people with veterans, with veterans and ask the questions they have and get those questions answered from the personal experience, right? Like we're not, that is so we're not in it to offer medical advice at all. No, right. To build personal connections and create. I love that. And well, if you'd love to be on the other end of a phone call, (laughs) we can certainly add you. I mean, I'm not working, so I'm all for that. We'll talk about that for sure. hundred percent. I'm all for that information. Awesome. So then let's switch gears back to you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, I want to know a superpower that you gained from your experience with HSCT. Superpower. You asked me this before. I did. Like, what was my hope? And I I know I had said said something about God. I know it's probably just uh, like uh, confidence in my journey and I just, I don't know. I feel like I stand taller. I feel that um, I'm more knowledgeable and approachable when it comes to people, you know, reaching out to me and trying to help them when it comes to certain things. And yes, 100% HSCT. But even when I have the ones like my friend Andriana, who is looking for it, but then we found Chicago was closing. Her kids are around a couple years younger than my youngest Vinny, I was still able to help her with an A-linker campaign. So my superpower more or less slash, I think it's more of a, like a passion is really just helping others and trying to be a voice as much as possible and just somebody to be there to lean on, whether first and foremost, HSCTS for any kind of, you know, advice, guidance, things of like that nature for sure. But I know that was not really one specific thing. 
don't, I don't really That's know. That's the beauty of audio editing. Like I know, right? I, yeah, will, ma- could... I will make this sound brilliant. Oh, good. It That's won't be fantastic. you stumbling to try and figure out an answer because it is like a an yeah. moment kind of a question. Like It is. It, it totally is. And I remember wanting to think about that. Like, I bet she's going to ask me this, but, and I didn't really could think of a clear cut, like one thing, you know, one worded, you know, thing or whatever, but it's really helping others being compassionate, standing tall. I mean, having the confidence to stand up for yourself. Yeah, definitely humbled me for sure. Even more than I thought I ever could possibly be. I'm a pretty chill humbled person but this like brought me to my knees humbled me like wow (laughs) you know what I mean I don't I don't like talking about myself so when you ask me about like the whole superpower thing it's almost like a job interview because I just (laughs) don't so I like to quote what people say about me um like my you know my sister-in-law my sister is like I have the biggest heart I um totally believe in what we call love languages. So my love language is giving. So, and yes, I am a physical gift giver. Uh, I will put a care package um, together and make a collage of something and pop it in the mail and send it to someone um, just to make them smile. It just, it, I am a, and I love, like, I apparently, according to my parents, still have the same look on my face when I did when I was five, when Santa Claus came. When someone gives me a gift and it doesn't matter if it's, I'm still like, oh my gosh, you got me a gift. Like, like with the biggest grin on my face, but that's also how I am with giving back to people. Right. So that's definitely my love language is, is giving. So maybe that's my superpower. I think this is the final question, but okay, it makes sense, right? Like, what are you grateful for? about HSCT or your experience with it that has gone unspoken? That has gone unspoken? Um, I'm just forever grateful, honestly, that this treatment was offered. I, I just, I really am that even though a lot of people, including myself, had to fight to get it, not more than others. Mine was when I look and know your story, approved, then denied, then two years. And, you know, another one that was denied, 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 and then out of pocket the full amount in Chicago. So I'm forever grateful that even though as hard as it was in the beginning to get there, I look back knowing all these other stories that I'm just grateful that I was there. You know what I mean? That Mm, I was accepted, that I was chosen. You know, it was a part of my testimony and my journey and my hope journey and and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's really pretty much sums it up as I'm just forever grateful, you know, for having the treatment done and Dr. Burt's brain. (laughs) The opportunity to go through it and exactly be treated by him, especially now that Chicago has. Right. I can't wait for his book though. I'm sure it's going to be like years, but hopefully under five years, I'm assuming. But yeah, I'm just forever grateful for that for sure. And the nurses, the staff there, they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. Not even the word amazing is enough for them. Really? World class. <laughs> World class. Yes. I love it. They, do. I mean, they set a really high bar 
And oh, they do. Oh, they definitely do. hundred percent. But make it look oh, so yeah. easy. They do. <laughs> they do. Cause they do it every day. Yeah. I hope that as Dr. Burt travels the country and mm-hmm. helps to bring up new clinics mm-hmm. that we can find a way. This is another goal with the nonprofit mm-hmm. <laughs> to inform those clinics, like from the patient perspective, what are some critical components of the program that you need to be like building up? It's not just about the protocol, right? Yeah. And all the team building and how they actually treat the patients. Oh my gosh. And I don't know that the Northwestern nursing protocols or teams could ever be replicated because they are so amazing, but they are, but for me, when I look back at it and being in a different experience, like with my mom, I actually think this is just, it's on, it's an oncology floor. So to be in an oncology unit Mm -hmm. and a nurse. Sure. There's just so much compassion and, and sense of humanity and the human side of care that at least I experienced in Northwestern and Surely. Same. It was it was total out of body for me. It really was the whole entire experience. Even looking back with my mom, like she cried a couple times, and I'm like, get it together, like you know what I mean. And looking back, like wow, I actually did that. And people like when you constantly say like how big this and and serious this procedure can be, I kind of was like, really. Because I did it, but it, but when you really like, you got a vas catheter, you did stem cell harvest, you gave yourself new version shots, like the vas catheter could kill you. If you flush that, if you, um, like after your harvest and stuff like that, if you flush that and there's an air bubble, you can have an air embolism and die if they're not paying attention. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it's extremely dangerous. Yeah. Serious, very serious procedure. Yep. It's just been so great connecting with you to extend the hope journey, right? I think yeah. it would be neat yes. to check in even at a year post or two years post and see absolutely how you're doing because six months young, you're still an infant. I'm like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so I'm glad good. it's going well for you. It is. It definitely is. And I am, I am forever grateful for that too because I know there are some that or, you know, have a super hard time afterwards. And like I said, I've had my moments. You know what sure, I mean? Sure. I had a well, huge thank you for being so candid thing. on Instagram, even just a couple weeks ago, like sharing that raw emotion. It's tough for people to be vulnerable. And the more we can communicate our vulnerability, the easier it is to connect on that human level, right? To find compassion for others and their experience. And it is, it's hard to do that. Like, I was like, do I want to make this video? No, I didn't. You know what I mean? I was on the verge of tears and needing to cry. And, but then for some reason, even if I picked up the phone, I think I might've talked to my sister. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it, but it was almost funny. Like talking to myself in a camera was therapeutic. And I felt like it helped me to get it out and not just to one person like my mom, my sister, it was myself. And I felt that if anybody else was feeling what I'm feeling, might as well just, you know what I mean? Post it. So many, so many do. Right. And that's, that's the beauty of being able to share your story. It definitely is for sure. Well, thank you for sharing it with us. 
Well, thank you for also having me on here. I greatly appreciate it. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allentzauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment, share your story. We'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Be well.